you are turning into an old person too. Like I feel like I I've been there for a long time. Yeah. I was there when I was 13. I was like, oh, kids these days. <laughs> so I lean into it very nicely. Yeah. And I felt like for much of our relationship, I was like the old one. Mm-hmm. And this year you've kind of joined me. You've been like, man, in my day. And yeah. I was like, Look at you now. Yeah, I am old. I no longer have all of the frame of reference for what these children are talking about. <laughs> but one of the best parts of it is looking back on how things used to be like mm-hmm. i love the nostalgia of that i'm not someone who's like oh the good old days because no, yeah, no no everything was bullshit in one way or another every time's terrible to someone uh but what i do love is like remembering things that aren't around anymore yeah and christmas christmas is kind of the best for that yeah so true what would you bring back that we've lost in christmas i would bring back those giant catalogs Oh, yeah. It's like sitting by the tree, just going through the catalog and like circling things that you want. It makes sense to me. Maybe not everyone knows you. Well, I assume no one out there knows you like I do because we're married. But it makes sense (laughs) to me that your thing would be shopping based because you love a good like you love the hunt. I love the hunt. Yeah. No, I'm always kind of shopping and I, I enjoy doing the research and like finding the best deal. So I feel like around Christmas, it's always like finding that best gift. And when you just have a bunch of tabs open on your phone or computer, that's way more stressful than a big catalog. Catalog seems quaint and patient. Yeah, exactly. And I love it. I love a catalog. One of the stores that I get some of my like beading supplies from still has a catalog and I like tab it up with all of the things that I usually go and like get from them. Oh, you have multiple tabs open in the old school way. I do. You have paper tabs. I have paper tabs and I find it. I don't know. My brain, you know, everyone's brain works a certain way. And mine is just like, I love a post-it note. I love a tab and I love to shop around for the best deal. I think I'd bring back the the big old Christmas lights on the tree. Oh, the big chunky ones? Yeah, I miss those. Yeah, you can still get those. You can, but they're not the same. No. Because the, the ones I had were fire hazards. Yes, they were hot to the touch. Because <laughs> although we're both... <laughs> 80s babies, 90s kids. Yeah. I'm the youngest of six. So, so much of my Christmas stuff was very 70s. Yes. So we had these like full glass bulbs Mm -hmm. that were big and they're just painted. Yeah. It's this clear glass that someone has painted and you can see the brush strokes on them. Yeah. I remember those. I think my grandpa had those. they were so hot. Yes. If you rubbed up against them. Don't touch it. You will burn yourself. Yeah. You'd have like a burn on your arm. And then you'd have it on this constantly drying tree. Yes. So maybe it's good that they're not around like that. But I'm glad we've switched to LEDs because they don't get as hot. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're safer. They're better for the environment. There's so many good things about them. But there was this smell of the old bulbs, which is probably not a good smell. But to me, that smell, of course, is childhood Christmas. Uh When you're like, is that is that a tree burning down? Is that a bunch of plastic or sometimes foil tinsel? baking? Oh, my God. Yeah. I Probably full of lead. Uh huh. The other thing I'd bring back is um, like the prevalence of real trees. I know it's really bad for the environment and it's very wasteful. I'm, no, I'm not sure that it is. No? 
So hear me out. Okay. I have not done the research for I it. haven't either. But I just am very nostalgic about it. Natural Christmas trees are not just from the forest that you go and cut down. They are from Christmas tree farms. Yes. So that land is perpetually dedicated to having a forest on it. Mm-hmm. Of course, the forest is chopped down every 12 years, but it's constantly growing. I've, right. I, be, I bet they have like you know, 12 years worth and every year they plant a new bit from right. where they cut you down. You just cut down one strip. So <laughs> that land is dedicated to forest. Right. So that kind of seems like it's good. Yeah. But I guess when you're cutting, you don't get the old growth. It's not a habitat for animals as much. But true. I would rather be a Christmas tree farm than... But yeah, I, okay, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Maybe. But, but you know what? Christmas That's nostalgia. just me thinking. Yeah. I, I don't know anything. just love the smell and like the act of going and picking out the perfect tree like that was always like an outing for us you were never someone who went and chopped down your own tree no i've never done i've always wanted to but do that i bet it's available somewhere i'm sure i just know that in the past few years because there are fewer christmas tree lots they've gotten really expensive too and also just like weather change and stuff has make it harder to grow these trees for us so what i was pitching when we first bought a house is that we should every year plant one tree and Uh then in 15 years every year we chop one down oh that'd be so and bring it inside i think we need more yard than we have though but they'll never be bigger than a christmas tree true we could fit those very true let's do it all right i'm in should we also start this podcast are we podcasting? I oh. think our... I, yeah, I did, I did hit record. Okay, great. Maybe our thing of the week on a Christmas episode should just be nostalgia and we just reminisce. Oh, yeah. I like that. Let's ditch these things of the week <laughs> and just talk about things that we liked about Christmas as a kid. Uh, not having the weight of the world crush you? Yeah. That yeah. was good. Well, welcome everyone to a very festive episode of I Love This You Should Too. My name is Indy Lead Paint on Lightbulbs Randawa. Totally was. And with me. (laughs) Totally was lead paint. It's Samantha Christmas Tree Farm Randawa. Oh, that's me. Because in my heart is a Christmas tree Oh, I know. (laughs) I'm feeling very Christmassy this week. I'm very excited. I was not, but that little reminiscence, yeah, that kind of got me going. Got me real excited about Christmas. Uh, So this is one of our shorter pre-episodes, and uh, next week is Indie's week for a movie. So we will be sharing two spoiler-free Christmas-themed things of the fortnight, and then Indie will reveal what our big watch for next week is. Exactly. Wow, it's like you've done this before. Almost like we've almost done like 200 thousand of these episodes somewhere around there yeah so indy do you want to start us off with your christmas or winter or cold thing of the week it is all of those (laughs) it is christmas though so when i was going to pick a christmas thing of the week i haven't started watching christmas stuff yet yeah because it is early on now because we're recording ahead of time because we're gonna get real busy with christmas things it's only december 4th in our world so (laughs) we're just just getting into it sometimes i wish we'd say that at the beginning of every episode because i'm very scared of me making fun of someone and then them dying and then our episode comes out oh like if jack black dies now and our episode comes out i'm just ripping on him the whole time in our last episode so then I'll look like a dick. And they're mm-hmm. like, he died and that's what you had to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's December 4th and it is not quite full Christmas yet. So, so uh, I haven't go. been watching stuff, 
but I was trying to think from in the past, what are some movies that I can talk about, but I don't want to make the full big watch. Mm -hmm. And I thought about talking about Babes in Toyland. Do you remember that movie? (laughs) With Keanu Reeves and Drew Barrymore. Didn't we watch that somewhere tropical? We did. We watched it on uh, just before Christmas, oddly enough. And it was, uh, it's a train wreck, but a fascinating one. (laughs) So I thought about that. And then I was like, oh, isn't Trading Places, the Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd movie over Christmas? So I was going to do that. And then there was that horror movie, The Lodge, which I loved. I think a lot of people didn't like it, but The The Lodge Lodge. is real good. (laughs) It's a nice, like, quiet, they're out in the middle of nowhere and it's a family at Christmas time and there's a stepmom and it was, it's very good. But then... Just the other night, I thought, okay, I'll just put on some bad Christmas horror movie to get me into the mindset of thinking about this kind of stuff Ah. again. And I put on this movie called Christmas Evil, or sometimes called You Better Watch Out, depending on where it is, from 1980. And I looked at this movie and I thought, this is going to be another one of those campy Christmas horror slashers. Because right. there's a bunch of those, especially now, and it's kind of a joke in itself. Because like it's Christmas, it's the holliest. What's it's the most most wonderful time most of the year. Most wonderful time of the year. I yeah, I forgot that. I'm <laughs> yeah, having a lot it's of a trouble. weird day. <laughs> so the joke always is everyone's saying it's the most wonderful time of the year, but we're gonna make this horror movie, and it's gonna be usually not too self serious. Mm-hmm. But the shock value of it being Christmas and murder based, that's enough. So I expected this Christmas Evil to be that, but then it wasn't. It was at points, don't get me wrong. It is campy. It is probably horror, but it's so much different than I had expected. So this movie starts off pretty much on the premise of the song I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Because it starts off in 1947 and this boy and his brother and his mom watch Santa come down the chimney. Oh. And... The way it's shot, you're like, oh, in this world, is Santa real? Because he looks magical. Right. He like, comes down the chimney and oh, he goes back up. Right. So you're like, okay, is magic real? I'm not entirely sure. And it looks kind of gauzy because it's all nostalgic right. for the 40s. And this boy sees Santa and Santa sees him there and he gives him kind of a little wink and then he goes up the chimney. Oh. And the boy's like, oh, that was real Santa. And of course, the brother's like, that wasn't Santa. That was dad. <laughs> And then the boy comes back down and he sees Santa and his mom and they're not kissing and they're not having sex. But this Santa's like on his knees, just kind of caressing the mom's leg because I think they didn't want to show something more than that, but they didn't know what to do. So they chose this weird thing. Hmm. So it was kind of odd. So he sees that and then he goes up and starts like smashing all of his Christmas stuff because he was a kid that was obsessed with Christmas. Right. And you're not sure, is this because he now knows that Santa is not real and that was his dad? Or is this because he thinks Santa is real and is banging his mom? Oh. I think the latter, but it's never entirely sure. And then we jump forward into present day, but present day being 1980. And we see this man, presumably he is the the child in the movie earlier. And he's this uh, bachelor. He works at a toy factory. Oh. And he just got promoted to be a manager, but at his job, everyone disrespects him. No one takes him seriously. (laughs) They're um, taking advantage of him all over the place. And at home, he has Christmas decorations up, but he's turning a page that says like 57 days to Christmas. 
So he's a, a little far out mm-hmm. to be celebrating, but that's his thing. So you're like, oh, he's still obsessed with Christmas. And then he's watching children from his window with binoculars. And you're like, oh, is he a child murderer now? Is this going to take a unfortunate sexual turn? And no, he's writing lists. He's, he's checking them twice. Oh, is he Santa? So he's writing down every bad thing and every good thing people do. Oh. All the kids in the neighborhood. So there's this one kid who's like a real dick, but is actually really funny. And he's always like seeing him do bad stuff. Because you just see this window and this kid's like cutting up a penthouse magazine and like putting up the pictures oh. everywhere. And then there's other kids who are like, yeah, mom, I'll take out the trash. And he's like, oh, little Lucy, very nice or whatever. So he's going around and he's living his life and he's he's a loser. He's not winning at anything. And all of these things just keep like piling up on him. And... Each time he's a little slower to just get get back in Mm -hmm. and get knocked down again. He's taking a pause a little more as this goes on. And there are times when he is really trying to be Santa-like and to bring joy into the lives of children. And when it doesn't work, that's when he snaps. Like at the office, not office, the toy factory he works at, there's some new big wig and they're doing this thing of like, yeah, we are going to donate these toys to kids, but we need more donations. So you guys pay us as well. And then he goes and talks to the guy and says, so you're just collecting money from your employees and you're going to donate that. And he's like, yeah, we'll donate something. And When he realizes that not everyone is doing what they say, when he realizes people are using Christmas to be selfish, he gets pushed closer and closer to the edge. And eventually he's at the point where he's dressing as Santa, but he's going out and he's trying to actually do good. Mm -hmm. The charity that they were going to donate to is this... I'm not sure what it is. It's an orphanage. It's a hospital. It's something in between. So he goes there and he's going to bring all these toys. But he shows up at like midnight and nobody knows who he is. He's just a crazy guy in a Santa costume that's bringing toys in the middle of the night. Where you're like, yeah, you're doing the right thing. (laughs) You're doing the Santa thing. But you're going about it all wrong. And then at one point, there's that bad kid. And he just like fills a bunch of bags full of mud and gives those to the kid. And there's more scenes of a man crying than you would expect in a campy slasher movie. Wow. It it gets to be a campy slasher at points, but it's more of a movie about a man's psyche crumbling. Because then eventually, you know, what's going to happen is he's going to be wearing a Santa suit and he's going to have to kill people. That's going to happen in this movie. We get that from the cover. But it happens not how you would expect. And it takes longer to get there. It's not this slasher that i was expecting especially like a silly bad slasher it's much more like a movie like taxi driver or for newer audiences the new joker movie those are the themes of this movie this movie is about a man being pushed too far and snapping and yes it is christmas and yes he's gonna dress in a santa suit and kill some people um, i'll give you that but it's just a little more complicated than what I was expecting it to that be. That is a lot heavier than yeah, I was expecting. It is. And maybe it's me looking into things a lot. But most of this is is right on the surface. Because it also deals with family members learning that someone they love is a murderer. Huh. 
And some people being like, I knew it, that guy there. And some people like, how could this happen? And people just breaking down and saying, our lives are ruined now. Wow. Not because someone of theirs that they know was murdered, but that they have this in the family. It just, yeah, it's uh, a lot more serious, maybe, and a lot heavier and a lot more poignant a lot of the time than I was expecting. Wow. But it is also still very low budget. doesn't look great, especially the actual acts of violence. Those are pretty campy. And because I have that background that I do, I would watch this and be like, why would you shoot that? Oh, it's because you only had that lens. You had to. You can tell what they shot on which day because the audio quality is not consistent throughout because oh. you can tell that they're getting different equipment on different days. Right. And this day, they only had this lens and they're shooting everything with it. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that kind of stuff. But I think it's it's worth a watch if those things that I told you about are interesting to you <laughs> or if you want a christmas horror that you can just kind of have in the background but it still will let you know that like it's a little bit more than those silly christmas slashers that are really pretty ubiquitous now wow okay so go check it out or not i know that this won't be a uh, sell to a lot of people but it's from 1980 it's usually called christmas evil sometimes called you better watch out and it is I feel like available there's like 95 movies called you better watch out there are yeah, yeah. there was a, a pretty good one not too long ago um, <laughs> Um, but it's also available on Tubi, T-U-B-I, oh. that app that I kind of forgot existed because mm -hmm. it has ads in it and I just never was looking through there. But I love discovering things yeah. on places like that. Tubi is what the modern equivalent of the video store is. I'm like, yeah. look at this weird movie. Let's see what it is. Shopping and, by like front cover. And that's yeah. what happened. And that's how I watched Christmas oh, Evil. And it wow. was uh, worth the watch. So maybe not one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's definitely going to be in the mentions of when I talk about Christmas horror. It's probably one of my top five Christmas horrors now, honestly. Okay. That's pretty good. And the uh, lead, his daughter is Fiona Apple. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And if you watch it, there's going to be a lot of like, oh, that guy was in Breaking Bad. Oh, that guy's in Game of Thrones. So like lots of smaller time actors. Yeah. And it's never anyone whose names I knew. Right. But it's like, I think I recognize that person. Yeah. There's a lot of that. So uh, go watch Christmas Evil. It was pretty fun. Awesome. All right, Samantha, let's continue our Christmas picks which can all be seen or read or listened to for free. Yay. I didn't mention, but that is kind of a, a loose theme because all of them can. Yeah. Um, so my Christmas pick is a Christmas book. And I had to start this like really far in advance because I kind of wanted to finish it before we started recording. And I wasn't sure if we are going to do books and movies before we did Christmas Carol. So I was ready to go. But um, I read The Christmas Wedding Guest by Susan Mallory. And it is a book that is set in a town called Wishing Tree. And they have a like huge tie to Christmas in this town. Their town square is called The Wreath. And when um, the first snow happens, it has to snow for 15 minutes. And then um, they ring all the church bells in the town and like this like sound goes off. And like then they have this like 
instant festival in the town square. So this is like Stars Hollow meets Whoville meets a Hallmark movie. Yes. So it's like already a pretty magical place to live. Um, And then the two main characters are the Somerville sisters, um, Reggie and... Dina and they are um, both in like really kind of different periods of their life. Reggie hasn't been home since last Christmas when she got engaged to her long-term boyfriend and he broke it off the next day and left. And then Dina has waited all of her life to find the one and then finally decides that she's just going to have a baby on her own and whatever happens, happens. And, um, of course, they both meet mysterious men in Wishing Tree when they're home for Christmas and uh, hijinks ensues and um, they might end up getting their Christmas wishes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So would you categorize this as a Hallmark movie-esque book? Yes. Okay. It It's like a Hallmark movie, but the nice thing is because it's a book, it's like longer form. So you're able to kind of fit more character development and a little bit more story. Right. And like just a little bit more like meat to it. Yeah. And that probably helps that type of kind of yeah. more superficial plot yes. line to uh, be more fulfilling. And you get, yeah. And you get to know the characters and you get to like really care about them. And um, you get to like kind of guess where things are going without um it all being done in like 90 minutes right? right so it was really nice it was nice to kind of have a uh a little world to go into and to listen because of course i don't read actual books i only listen to them but um it was uh it was really nice and um throughout the book their mother is also planning her wedding, which will be on Christmas. So it's... Uh, oh, and then we get to see that one too? Yes. So we see one wedding and... You know what? I'm not going to ask you no. because that's the ending of I the I don't want to ruin it. But yeah, so you do get to like have these characters who are in weird places in their lives who are being forced to plan this wedding and maybe not like fully in it at the beginning of the book. So it's... Uh, it's a very cool um, concept, and I really enjoyed it. And I think it's actually part of a series. I don't think the rest of the books are Christmas books, but I think if I wanted to continue on with these characters, I could because I think there is actually a series of books based in Wishing Tree. Oh, so are the books, or if you know, do they follow the same characters or just have the same kind of circles and it's in that town? Which is Magic Town. So each book is uh, Christmas themed. Um, there's Oh, it's all Christmas all the time. There's another one called Home Sweet Christmas, which is number two. And um, it is actually about different characters. But a few of those characters, it looks like from the synopsis, are in the first book as kind of peripheral characters. People in the town that you meet throughout the book. So um, I might... Uh, check that out and see if um, Home Sweet Christmas, Wishing Tree Book 2, is uh, worth a read. Ooh, you could even go to Christmas on 4th Street. That one looks good. Yeah. So I'm... Uh, that is not a Wishing Tree Christmas, but it is a Fool's Gold romance. Yes. Yeah, Susan Mallory, I guess, is known for the Fool's Gold um, 
group of books. So Oh, that's so she has multiple series yes. on the go. Yeah. So uh yeah, so I'm gonna check out that second book because I, I kind of am without a book right now. But um check out The Christmas Wedding Guest, Wishing Tree Book Number One by Susan Mallory. And like we always like to promote the libraries yes. in the world. So get it from your library. If you are a local Edmonton person, they have the ebook, the book in regular print, in large print, or the downloadable audiobook, and it's all free. And yes. if you don't have a library card, you know what? Come see me. I'll get you one. It's free. I'll hook you up. <laughs> Special deal. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't in the past done many like Christmas books um to get myself in the spirit, but I feel like this might be a new tradition. I haven't either. I think I've read The Christmas Carol and I can't think of other ones. I know I talked about one last year um, that just happened to be a Christmas book that I think I actually read in like July or something because that's when my hold came up on it. But um, I think this might be like a new thing for me. Yeah, let's do it. More Christmas Christmas books. books. I do read a lot of children's Christmas books. So in that case, my Christmas book pick of the week is Penguin's Christmas Wish by Selena Yoon. Yes, you were talking about that. I do love Selena Yoon. She does good kids books. I love Penguin. Yeah, Penguin is great. Penguin and... Penguin and Pinecone is is the best one. So go check that out. (laughs) Excellent. Penguin and Pumpkin's a good one too. Penguin on Vacation was pretty good when he meets that crap. Penguin... Okay, well, Indy, it's time for us to find out. What is our big Christmas watch for next week? So in the past years, I've done some classic Christmas that you had missed out on, like It's a Wonderful Life. That is kind of the classic Christmas movie to me. And then we did uh, A Christmas Story, which is the logical next step of that because mm-hmm. it's a movie looking back at those times. Right. Because like, it's it's about the nostalgia for the times of that first movie. And then we did some rare exports one year, which mm-hmm. is definitely kind of off the map, but you could argue that that is kind of subverting traditional Christmas movie tropes. Right. So this year, I'm going with a movie that... I think a lot of people, if you don't know it, you might look at it and be like, oh, this is like an indie thing where it's in a different language. It's not really a Christmas movie. I'm not into it. But what it does do is it harkens back to perhaps not the characters and setting of classic Christmas movies, Mm -hmm. but it definitely brings out the same sentiments. Okay. So it is a Christmas movie, definitely. So that one I will... Yeah, there's no way you can argue it's not a Christmas movie. It's about (laughs) Christmas a lot, but it's a bit of a different take on it. So this movie is called Tokyo Godfathers. Oh. It is a Japanese animated film directed by Satoshi Kan, who has directed some really good stuff. If you know who that is, you will know um, Paprika and Perfect Blue. Those are, for people who like that genre, those are two kind of landmark films. Mm -hmm. And he has passed away since, but this movie he did in uh, 2003, and it is, although unconventional in some ways, definitely a heartwarming Christmas story. So it revolves around three homeless people. Uh, One is a middle-aged man. He's an alcoholic. He's very aware that this is the reason he is where he is. Uh, There is a transgender woman who is definitely feeling a maternal instinct and really laments the fact that that's not going to be part of her life. Mm -hmm. And a runaway teenager. 
And as the movie goes on, you figure out who these characters are, how they came together. But the inciting incident of all of this is on Christmas Eve, they are searching for food and they discover an abandoned baby in the trash. Oh. Then they go on this journey to uh, find the baby's parents and just kind of save Christmas. Oh, nice. I love a good saving of Christmas. So this movie might sound inaccessible. Mm -hmm. It might sound like it's Japanese. It's a cartoon. It sounds really sad. I will say when you watch it, it will be very familiar and much more of a classic Christmas movie than you might realize. Okay. And it even pays homage not to Christmas movies, but to Christmas tradition quite Mm -hmm. often. Of course, it's in a different country. It's not the same traditions, but the writers and directors are clearly aware of the traditions and the stories especially. And they incorporate elements. Like you can just look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's like the nativity. I get it. (laughs) And there's a lot of that kind of stuff. It has some really fun characters. There is a lot of emotional depth to it. I feel like it is a very heartfelt movie. There's a bit of social commentary, too, because you are dealing with all characters who are experiencing homelessness and have been for some time. So Mm -hmm. that is going to be a part of it as well. And then this director, if you know him, I'm sure you love him because it's a beautiful looking movie in a lot of ways. (laughs) Uh It is all hand-drawn animation. There's no computer generated stuff. There's no uh, fill in the blanks backgrounds. All of that is handmade. And I always feel like those movies just seem warmer and the world seems more lived in and authentic in some way. Right. Than a lot of more modern ones or people who are have changed and not doing that old style anymore and then it's still just a kind of a feel-good christmas movie in a lot of ways but although sometimes it's a feel-bad christmas movie too oh my goodness okay (laughs) but i don't want to give things away but i'm I'm gonna say that this isn't just some like bleak depressing anti-christmas movie this Mm -hmm. is a christmas movie okay so it's called tokyo godfathers it's from 2003 It's about 90 minutes long, and I think you should go watch it because we're going to go watch it, and (laughs) we're going to talk all about it next week. Awesome. And this movie is available for free on the Hoopla app. Ah, from the library. That is something that you can access with a library card. Hoopla is a free service with no ads or anything. Do they have ads? They might at the beginning. I don't think they do, though. I think it's just a library card thing. So if you have your library card, you can watch it for free. I hear some of those other free ones like Pluto and Roku have it, but I haven't looked at any of those and I'm not sure what the quality's like. Uh, Like always, I'd recommend watching it in Japanese with English (laughs) subtitles because that's the way it was made. I think that's the way it should be watched. But I have heard a good bit of the English dub. I didn't watch the whole thing in English, but I've heard enough to be like, yeah, it's pretty good, too. It's not bad or anything. Well, I'm excited. This seems like a different kind of Christmas movie. It is. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, we'll get a little get a little variation. Yeah. Although we've been all variation with Christmas. True. We have some horror. We have some Hallmark books. Yeah, all over the place. That's great. All right, are you ready to watch some Tokyo Godfathers? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go, and you all go watch it too. And we'll come back here next week, and we'll talk all about it. You can talk too. We won't be able to hear you, but we appreciate the effort. Yes. Yeah. See you, everyone. Goodbye. Ho ho ho.
Um, but what were we talking about? Oh, man. Going to <laughs> the mall. Yeah. 